Hey, I'm Darren Steele, and this is Think Queerly, the podcast for thoughtful queer leadership and self-mastery for change makers and creatives. On the show, I share insights and strategies that help to reduce contention, division, and inequity in the world. Inspired by my study of the Tao Te Ching, I share a human-hearted approach to harmonious living grounded in values and transformational coaching practices that support critical thought, open-mindedness, curiosity, compassion, humility, and respect for diversity and the commonality of humanity. In today's show, I want to talk about something that's been happening a little bit more often in my life and see if this resonates with you. I'm calling this a wistful yearning for the past. And what are the lessons of nostalgia? Now, let me open up with a quote from one of my favorite authors, Timothy Finley. He writes, There is nothing else to make of life except to perfectly define yourself, to perfectly define your own existence, to be so utterly what you are that you can be perfectly perceived by others, which is an aid to them and everything to you, and which is happiness, I guess. Now that's from a book called Journeyman travelers of a writer that was edited and put together by his partner after Finley passed away in um, 2003 or 2004, I think. Many entries from his journals and unpublished pieces and um, articles that appeared here and there. So it's a very interesting read if you're a Timothy Finley fan. But let me bring you right into the topic of nostalgia. So the other morning, I was really deep in thought and I was texting with a friend of mine about the sadness of nostalgia that I had recently experienced. And the odd thing was that nostalgia had overtaken me a number of times in the past year. And I just wondered aloud with my friend if there's like a tipping point in one's life that's maybe related to getting older. I mean, is nostalgia somehow related to wisdom? and a greater critical mass of life experience and thus the accumulation of so many memories and, you know, tapping into those every once in a while when triggered. And I thought, well, maybe it's got something to do with the COVID-19 lockdowns because we've been out of what we're used to. Many of us are working from home. I've always been working from home, but now my partner's from home and we've had less freedoms and we've had more opportunity to go inward in some ways to reflect on the past, to listen to music, watch more Netflix or whatever the case may be. So with this less like human interaction and social activity, and thankfully we're coming back into more of that, and 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 fewer distractions simply because we weren't able to be outside and commingling with other people, I've simply had more time to reflect and also to think about, quote-unquote, better times. But lately, nostalgia has been happening with a consistency, especially when I watch documentaries that take me back in time, and it's usually about some 
one of my favorite bands or musicians, and this will always be from the 80s. That was my coming of age, coming out, and the time when, of course, many of us as adolescents are seeking social connection and exception exception and acceptance within the dominant culture of our teenage years, right? We desperately need to be liked and to feel like we belong when we are teenagers. Now, for me, my formative late teen years was so heavily influenced by one genre of music, and that was New Wave. Now, This wasn't necessarily the in music in the 80s, the early 80s in Mississauga, city neighboring uh, Toronto, Ontario, where I grew up and and went to elementary and then high school. Rather, it was kind of the in music for anyone who was labeled alternative. And the alternative segment was growing pretty fast. If you are from Toronto and around my age, you'll remember CFNY FM 102.1 as the place to go to to get the music that was considered new wave, especially everything that was coming out of the UK. Now, being in the closet and not out during high school, I suppose it was easier for me to identify with these, and and there were so many gender-bending artists in the 80s. Tall hair, wearing scarves, loose flowing clothing, the, the, the makeup and the mannerisms and the postures of David Bowie. So if I could perhaps like that music, I could hide in plain sight because of my musical preferences. I was enthralled with groups like Depeche Mode, Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark, The Human League, Flock of Seagulls, Echo and the Bunnymen, Talk Talk, Spandau Ballet, Blue Peter, Ultravox, Simple Minds, Bauhaus, Images in Vogue, The Cure, Klaus Nomi, Soft Cell, Bronsky Beat, and David Bowie. I mean, there were so many more, but I had them all in my record collection, which I played quite frequently. Now, about two weeks ago, I had queued up on uh, my iPad to watch a documentary about New New Order and a, a unique concert experience they created to showcase their artistic impact on music over, I think, the last 40 years, which they called Decades. Now, as I was watching, the interviews with the band members, the historical footage, the discussions about how their songs came to be, including the songs of Joy Division, which is the band they started out as before the lead singer sadly took his own life, And all the various musical clips just transported me back to a place in time and an emotional state and a zeitgeist from when I was about 16 to 20, 21, 22 years old. And the memories and associated feelings from that period of time just, they came rushing back. It's like being immersed in the most wonderful warm water. You feel safe. You feel relaxed. You feel kind of contented. Now, 
what was lovely was my partner was actually out having drinks with some friends that night. So after the documentary, I kept the nostalgia alive. I didn't want to let go of that feeling. And I just went on to Spotify and I was playing my favorite New Order and Joy Division tracks for about two more hours, long past my bedtime. But what I experienced was also bittersweet. It was both a longing and a loss, a, a joyful pleasure tinged with sadness, like the pleasure of the sensation of how the music moved me now and moved me back then, but the sadness for that period of time, not so much wanting to go back into it, but things missed, people forgotten, um, places that no longer exist, situations that I wish I had have perhaps been more aware in. So it got me thinking, like, what is nostalgia? And why does it have this so light yet heavy response on the body and the mind at the same time? So generally it's defined as a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typical for a period or place with happy personal associations. Now, like, that makes sense. We're not going to be nostalgic about something horrible. That's probably trauma. But then I thought, well, what about the history of the meaning of the word, the etymology of nostalgia? What I found offered even further clarity into the nature of this very strange emotional experience, because it is very much a state that you get into. And it appears that the origin of the, of the word was actually used to label an affliction. Now, I don't want to read the whole entry from etymology online. But as early as 1726, um, it was referred to as a morbid longing to return to one's home or native country, a severe homesickness, homesickness considered as a disease. Think about that. It's like, to want to go home so badly, to be considered as a disease. And we have to think about time and place. And 1726 was a very different year than 2021. Now, by the 1830s, this, the word was used of any intense homesickness in general. And it, it was listed among the endemic diseases in the Cyclopedia of Practical Medicine, which defined it as the concourse of depressing symptoms which sometimes arise in persons who are absent from their native country when they are seized with a longing desire of returning to their home and friends and the scenes of their youth. Now, that's interesting because we're going back to the 1830s. Um, yes, there would have been books, but people wouldn't have had access to so many books. Sure, there would have been music, but you would have gone and heard live music. And there wasn't TV, and there wasn't an internet. So the things that we longed for were very much physical place and very much people. So, you know, I was not feeling any kind of morbidity. I wasn't feeling a deep depression. But the historical origins of the word shines more light on, on the reason or perhaps the way of understanding and explaining why I had these feelings of sadness and loss. And just take a moment. Think about your nostalgia. If you've had a nostalgic moment, what did, what did you feel? 
And like I said, it's, it's not that I felt a homesickness, but there was certainly a yearning for being back in that place and time that exists in my memories. And home is a concept. It's something we create. It's, it's not the house or the apartment in and of itself. It's not the bricks and the walls. A home is how we create and decorate a physical environment with the, the items, the trinkets, the signifiers that really mean something to us. Uh, it's a feeling that is home, a place in time and memory. And you may have that presently in your home, or you may have that feeling of home from another place that you've lived. So I cannot help but associate the music of my youth and, and coming out at that time, which was so associated with certain music. Small Town Boy by Bronsky Beat is the song of, of my coming out. So those memories are really connected, and I would call that the home of the individual that is me. Now, this is my personal um, experience of nostalgia, that it really brings to life my relationship with creative expression. So nostalgia will often show up with respect to art. And maybe this is a sense of longing or, or regret. Um, and, and regret is a, a very different experience. And going down that particular emotional path would not be helpful um, and would take you out of nostalgia. But this sort of tension exists nonetheless. nonetheless. And I think the feeling for me is one of missed creative expression or missed creativity. And the experience of nostalgia is almost like a vicariousness of trying to see through the eyes of my own memory into the visual representation of the artist through perhaps like a documentary of New Order and what they created, their experience, what they've witnessed and done in life and and the kind of impact they've had on the world. And, And the wistfulness that one feels that I felt is having lost out or or feeling like I've lost out on creative opportunities or the possibilities of making a difference with my creativity. And in truth, it's not so much that nostalgia leaves me wanting, but it's like I need to almost see through to at a time and a place that exists in memory, but it's indiscernible in the world in this moment. And what I feel I have lost never existed in the first place because I did not pursue it. Yet my desire for it exists as an idea and a feeling. Now, maybe some people call that regrets. And I think that regret has a sense of guilt to it in the sense of something you did or didn't do in relation to something that has happened. So nostalgia transports you back in time to both place and emotions that reminds you of what was. And there may be other life stories adjacent to that time and place. And maybe these stories may have associations of regret, but nothing to do with the the core sense of what nostalgia is, which is a wistful yearning for the past. Now, I think we can learn a lot 
about ourselves through nostalgia and the experience of nostalgia offers insight and self-awareness. Nostalgia is undirected, meaning I think it's really difficult to trigger it. You might be able to trigger it, but it's sort of one of these optimal experiences that just happens at the right time and in the right place when you're least expecting it. And I should stress that nostalgia is an experience of many feelings. It's not just a single fleeting emotion because otherwise it wouldn't last so long. And nostalgia, I think, is triggered and most potent when it is triggered without direction or conscious intent. And the depth and the emotional dimensionality of the experience is what makes the feeling so authentic and, and somewhat confusing at the same time. And as I've said, the last few nostalgia trips for me by observation have been about my thoughts and attachments to creativity. Each nostalgia trip was triggered by listening to music that has deeply influenced my identity, who I am, and or watching or reading something about an artist of any genre, whether that be a painter or an author, who I greatly admire and, and look up to and maybe wish I could do something as fantastic as I believe they have done. And this is, of course, where I think the sense of loss or yearning comes in. However, kind of ridiculous that is, because we, we, we can't yearn for what someone has created. We can only create of our own ideas. And that's really the way out of this wistful feeling of, of attachment to the past, is recognizing that the nostalgia might be telling you something is wanting, and you maybe need to do something about it. Now, there's always been a tension in my life between academic pursuit and creative expression. In high school, I wanted to pursue dance, like contemporary dance or gymnastics. But the closet really kept me from pursuing that dream. I've written about that elsewhere where... Everyone in my high school would say, oh, gymnastics is for fags. The last thing I wanted to do is to express my interest in gymnastics and therefore be so labeled. So my insecurities, my health issues, and my learning challenges at that time slowed my progress as well within the educational status quo. And it limited my options for university, and I wasn't able to attend uh, I wasn't able to directly go to university after I finished high school. But that was something I overcame a couple of years later. And in high school, for example, I loved art class. I was able to take it as an elective. And in grade 10, I have the most amazing teacher. She was so fun and thoughtful and engaging. But in grade 11, my art teacher made me feel shame and embarrassment about one of my paintings. And it's 
really awful how a teacher or a mentor or a guru can damage their students if they're not careful. And I didn't come back to visual arts of any kind until about 15 years later. So in the last you know, few months, I said I had seen a documentary about New Order, and I'd also seen one or two about David Bowie, who's an artistic hero of mine really triggered this feeling of regret for not having pursued visual art or dance as a career. But, like what I was saying earlier, here I am, wishing I had done something that's in the past is useless. That doesn't help me. Choosing what I want and could do now, challenging myself to learn something new, and simply being curious are always choices I can make. Their choices you can make, and you can freely make them. You know, understanding what I'm passionate about in life now because or becomes more clear when I observe the bigger picture of my life through these complicated feeling states of nostalgia. I explore creativity today through different lenses, through different frameworks, but I'm still doing it. I became a personal trainer and a strength and fitness and nutrition coach. And I did that career for about 15 years. And I realized that was my way of getting into sort of adjacent to dance and gymnastics. I was doing something with the body. So doors open, doors close, and, you know, occasionally you can open some closed doors. Now, about 20 years ago, I enrolled in a drawing class about 15 years after high school, 20 years from now. And it was the first visual arts class since that shaming experience um, in grade 11. And it was one of the most transformational experiences and exercises that I've ever undertaken. I was so proud of my ability to draw something I didn't know I could do. And it felt easy. This teacher was amazing. She made me feel like this is a natural talent that everyone has. You just need to learn the skill. And that's really all it was, is skill and practice and practice and practice. And then when you feel challenged, that teacher is there to say, here, look at it this way. Or hold your hand like this. Or, do you see this? What do you see about it? This teacher was a gift. And I'm so glad to have had that experience with this person. And, you know, good for her. She got her dream job. And it was unfortunate for us as students. But the course only went halfway because she had to leave immediately and take this other job. But that creative memory stirs within me as an activity I would like to pursue again someday. I think I should go back. I want to go back and do a drawing class or a painting class because of what it brought out of me, how it allowed me to see things differently. And I still have the drawings in the closet that I pull out every once in a while and look at with amazement and and great personal pride. You know, similarly, in, in my 
pursuit of becoming an author someday. <laughs> I've taken various writing courses over the years, from poetry to fiction and nonfiction writing, and thankfully all of these teachers and mentors have been fantastic. And I think it's because of how I chose them and, and, and where they were working, that they were so, so supportive and it wasn't, these weren't credit-based courses to get a degree. They were um, continuing education courses. And perhaps that makes a difference when you're looking um, for ways of pursuing creative expression. I think there's also a gratitude and a wisdom that comes from nostalgia. So the gratitude of nostalgia is that it reminds me of times of whimsical joy in my life, what made me most happy. And, you know, it's not the same as flow state, but it can help you recognize the importance of feeling that sense of contented, contentedness and, and, and joy and being in the moment creatively, because we are generative beings. We create whether we are writing or creating music or drawing or in the moment working with a coaching client, listening deeply, allowing ourselves to be there for that person. These are all moments of creativity. And this is what brings out the best of who you are. And when you are feeling joy in those moments, ah, that is really the best of who you are. So I think it's really important for us to connect the awareness of whimsical joy with the so-called regret of nostalgia that I was talking about earlier. Because what might have been can sit in opposition to what was. But we can all recognize that, I'll speak for myself, I am who I am because of my experiences, not because of whom I wish I had been. If I live in a state of regret, I cannot help but be impoverished in the present moment. In fact, I'll find it hard to simply be in the present moment. I'll just wind up constantly ruminating about the past and what was. So the wisdom in nostalgia comes with getting older and, and being older. You know, at 55, I have a lot more life to look back on, perhaps more to look back on than years that lay ahead of me. And I accept all of my choices. I think that's a very important place to be in life and a mindset to have, that we accept the choices we've made in the past. Otherwise, we're going to have regret. Because what other truth is there? If you deny who you were, you deny who you are. So if there is something I regret about my life, it does not serve me to try and rewrite my visceral past into some new fiction. Instead, I can reframe how I perceive myself relating to what is past. So reframing might be, oh, if I'm feeling regret, 
I need to focus on how to no longer feel regret. I need to look at the past from a frame of acceptance. And I believe this is a necessary aspect of our self-mastery, that we maintain the personal responsibility for who we are now. And this will be how you do not let the past hold you back in the past. We become who we are from living and all the good and the bad that comes with each and every moment. Some people think, but what about what might have been? Well, this is the really simple strategy or solution to that. Try it. Just try it. If you're wondering about what might have been, try it. (laughs) Find a course that teaches the thing you wish you had done. Enroll in a course. Play a sport. Join a team. Call someone from your past who you wish you had have said I'm sorry to. Or you wish you had have said I love you. Or start a creative project, be it painting or writing or singing. You don't have to be any good at it. (laughs) The point is to try it. So the antidote to regret is simply this. Participate in the activity you wish you had have tried instead of wondering about it. Will you end up accomplishing a long-desired goal, maybe one that you forgot about or that you keep experiencing in moments of nostalgia? Maybe. Maybe not, but it will certainly not be the same path that you were taking or that you were on when you originally desired that goal. And maybe you find that you just don't care about that goal anymore. The nostalgia is all the emotions and the experiences from that time and and the sort of joy that it brought you at the time. You may just simply experience the simple and profound joy of doing what you have always wanted to do at the level of skill and ability that you have today. And that longing doesn't stop you from carrying on with the rest of your life. Your longing may be the choice for how you act going forward and the impact that you can have on others and the difference you can make in the lives of those closest to you and those who you most care about. So let me close with the quote from Timothy Finley. I opened with it, but there is another sentence or two that completes it. So let me read you the whole thing. There's nothing else to make of life except to perfectly define yourself, to perfectly define your own existence, to be so utterly what you are that you can be perfectly perceived by others, which is an aid to them and everything to you, and which is happiness, I guess. And yet, of course, implicitly, there is the calling to be perfectly what you are, not perfectly what you want to be. For that's quite different. Absolutely, in fact, different altogether, isn't it? So what's your experience of nostalgia? Is yours 
similar or more varied than mine? Does it tend to be a general wistful yearning for the past, or is it focused on a particular aspect of your life? Something that you feel you have not yet accomplished or experienced? Well, let me know. I'd love to know about your experience. Send me an email. Leave me a message in the show notes. And until next time, if you can't think straight, think queerly. So I want to ask you a favor before I go. Remember to like Think Queerly on Apple Podcasts by giving me a five-star rating or leaving a review. This really helps me to get my message out to more people. The more that you take a moment to share a podcast that you really appreciate on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or going and liking that podcast um, on your favorite podcast player can make a tremendous difference to how many people get to hear what I have to share. And make sure you click on the subscribe button on your podcast app so that you never miss an episode. And of course, head on over to my website, darrensteel.com, where you can sign up for my weekly newsletter or download one of my many free personal evolution practices, which which you can find by clicking the downloads option in my menu. Thanks again and speak with you soon.